Welcome to What the F is Going On in Latin America and the Caribbean, Code Pink's weekly YouTube program of hot news out of the region. In partnership with Friends of Latin America, Massachusetts Peace Action, and Task Force on the Americas, we broadcast weekly on Code Pink YouTube Live. We generally broadcast Wednesday afternoons, 4.30 p.m. Pacific, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. We have a very special guest joining us this afternoon who um, has a major trip she's um, taking uh, tomorrow. So she graciously gave us 30 minutes of her time today, right now. <laughs> so I want all of you uh, to meet Fiorella Mallorca. With the, some of you, most of you probably know her from the Convo Couch. Um, yes. She's going to be joining us in conversation today. Our episode is Voices for an Inclusive Hemisphere. And we're going to be talking about uh, the Biden Summit of the America, the Ninth Summit of the Americas, and the two um, alternative summits, um, two of the alternative summits that Fiorella and I both were able to attend. I do want to remind all of you that uh, we do broad broadcast on Code Pink YouTube Live, but you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Telegram, and now very happy to say you can find us um, at radindymedia.com. A big shout out to Lee Camp and Eleanor Goldfield for um, adding us to their news. So let me um, let me just give all of you a quick background as to um, what we're going to talk about. Some of you may remember uh, a little bit of this was discussed on May 10th, and, um, and I'll explain to you why. So uh, the White House announced in January uh, 2020, 2022, oh my gosh, that the city of Los Angeles would serve as host of the Ninth Summit of the Americas on June 6th through 10th. As host, the United States selects the site of the summit and its attendees, which became very controversial this year. The United States did not invite Cuba, Venezuela, or Nicaragua to the summit, as these countries are deemed by the United States to have undemocratically elected leaders. It was known the US uh, would not invite these leaders and uh, the official guest list was not announced until May 30th. On May 10, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, the president of Mexico, uh, was the first to announce he would not attend the summit if all nations were not in attendance. And so that's the May 10 episode that um, I'll share with you the prior, the link to that prior episode where we had uh, the honor of talking with um, Jesus Ramirez from the president's office as to why the president um, of Mexico decided not to go. So AMLO was the first to announce he would not attend the summit. And then he, uh, he did um, announce that he would be sending um, his foreign minister, but he did not go as an equal diplomatic level to the president of the United States. Following AMLO's decision not to go was Giamara Castro, the president of Honduras, the president of Bolivia, Luis Arce, the president of El Salvador, Bukele, the prime minister of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, and the president of Guatemala. So eight total did not go. In protest of the non-inclusive summit, counter summits were organized. Fiorella and I attended two, the People's Summit for Democracy, which was held in Los Angeles, California, June 8, 9, and 10, and the Worker Summit of the Americas, which was held June 10, 11, 12 in Tijuana, 
Baja California Norte, Mexico. So welcome Fiorella, we've got a lot to talk about. <laughs> yes, we do, uh, thank you for having me. Um, you know, there's so much happening right now and I think this is uh, what happened in this People Summit and after signals the shift that we have been talking about towards a more uh, multilateral, multipolar world and, and the pushback from the uh, from Latin America that we're seeing that I think it has been happening, as you know, and I know, but I think it was made clear to a lot of people that may not have been aware as to what what the situation is, as to what NATO is, as to what the OAS is and how they've influenced politics in Latin America. I think, um, no, I think you're right. And it, it's really and I have shared this with our audience before, and you and I have talked about this really since, I mean, it was became very overt to those of us who do, uh, who work in Latin America, solidarity work, political work, have journalism, all of that. The July 24 discourse, July 24, 2021, that the president um, of Mexico gave here in Mexico City, it was on the 238th anniversary of Simon Bolivar's birth. And he laid out what we thought was a wonderful vision for Latin America and the Caribbean. And as it turned out in ensuing months, that discourse in July of 2021 was very clearly his foreign policy vision for the Americas. And we've watched that unfold through several things. Um, the Venezuela dialogue beginning in August, which is installed with the kidnapping of Alex Saab, the reconvening of Salak after a four-year pause, which was in September of 2021, and, and then uh, refusing to go to the summit of the Americas once that was announced in June, so or in January. So it's been a real um, articulation of what Latin American leadership and not just the president of Mexico, but Latin America leadership. And I would argue through the forum of Salak, that particular body, the leadership wants a multipolar hemisphere. Right. It's very, very clear. And when, when the president of the United States announced in January of 2022 uh, that the summit of the Americas, and this is a summit that is organized through the organization of American states, but it's a new idea, relatively new in the history of the OAS. Uh, it was introduced uh, by President Bill Clinton in the 1990s. So this one that just took place was only the ninth and the OAS was founded right after World War II. So when he announced this and it became very clear who was not going to be invited, it was a huge, huge statement of the United States to say, we're not inclusive as a nation. It's the summit of the Americas, but we get to decide, or we, Washington, gets to decide who is America. And then for the overt pushback uh, by the president of Mexico, it's been very, very exciting actually to watch this all <laughs> unfold. Yeah, the it, undercurrents it's been, are, yeah. are very exciting. Yeah, and and I think um, you know uh, the, so, the 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 solidarity that it, that we're seeing too in Latin America because even some of the the uh, the leaders that did go still mentioned 
Um, I believe that was Gabriel Boric, even though he did say some things that were extremely negative, he also talked about the exclusion. And I think that the fact that people feel leaders of these countries feel compelled that they have to say something now is yeah. definitely a shift because yeah. before that's not how it was. The United States would exclude whoever they wanted and there was very little pushback. But now, and I think the war in between Russia and Ukraine, which is the war between us and Russia, essentially in NATO, is uh, has allowed for that to happen as well as China's increasing presence it like in the east and in terms of that relationships building through the uh the, uh the 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 economic relationships that are happening in nicaragua that have happened already in bolivia i think that is allowing for for this to happen and everybody's sort of taking this this moment in and speaking out against the the same type of of just dictatorial frankly and uh, overtly arrogant policies of the uh, United States. And, and it feels like a moment to grasp on. You, talk, you mentioned Simon Bolivar over 200 years ago. Um, this was going on. And, and I think it's one of those moments that we're seeing in Latin America where there is a potential to have a united front and more and more uh, pushback is happening. Right now we're seeing what's happening in Ecuador against the the current regime that have of course was supported by the west and i think that is also signaling a shift in, in a country that has also been plagued by you know unfair elections and just a, a very very bad uh recent uh regimes for our audience fiorell is referring to the national a national strike national protests in ecuador that have really erupted really pretty, pretty much today so if you mm -hmm. haven't uh, for the audience, if you haven't uh, Googled that news or seen it in your social media streams, it's it's worth checking out because it's not unlike what erupted in Colombia, uh, yeah. May of April of last year. You mentioned um, some of the presidents um, attending, and, and it wasn't all presidents; it was foreign ministers and mm -hmm. various dignitaries. The other person that spoke from inside the summit, who uh, was the president of Argentina. Mm -hmm. Fernandez. And this was a this was really interesting to me and, and really very important because Mexico and Argentina work very closely together, consider themselves the two progressive governments in the Americas, with others leaning to the right of them and to the left of those two countries. And you see AMLO pushing for change from the outside of the summit. And Fernandez, when he spoke opened with uh, talking about the 60-year U.S. Uh, blockade on, Colum on uh, Cuba and the, um, and the five, seven years now of economic warfare against Venezuela. He opened with that from inside the summit. So you've had pressure on the outside and pressure on the inside, like you mentioned. And that is a unity that I have not seen in my years of act activism in Latin America and the Caribbean. And I think a lot of that, as you said, comes from uh, increasing trade with China. It's been there for 20 years, growing stronger, stronger, stronger. Russia, Iran as well, trade in the hemisphere, but also a unified human humanitarian uh, response with Latin America and the Caribbean. There was no COVID-19 aid 
from the United States for, for most of these countries, not to any degree that would have been helpful on a, on a societal level. And I think that played a, uh, an impetus in getting countries to say, Latin American countries to say, politics and economics are secondary to our humanitarian needs, and we can gain all of this by uniting together. So there's a humanitarian link involved now in this unity that hasn't been this broad and strong in the past. And I think that it's that humanity that, humanity that led to the, to the organization of these two alternative summits that you and I attended. The lack of inclusiveness, the lack of humanity, basically the White House saying we get to define who and what America is, we get to send out the invitations and, you know, colonialism, colonialism. Right. It, it, there's no other way to say it. I don't, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. It's a neo form. It's neo-colonialism. You know, I was saying the other day, it really, it, it, the, the audacity of the United States to invite Spain um, and, and Juan Guaido, uh, the what, who they still consider the interim president, even after going to ask Maduro for for oil and and trying to ne negotiate with Maduro, thereby recognizing his power and not Juan Guaido's, they're still uh, putting out this this idea that Juan Guaido is anybody, and we know that he's not very well liked in Venezuela because we all just saw him get kicked <laughs> out of a restaurant very comically, uh, it, you know, by his this, own followers, by his own followers, <laughs> well, and yeah, and. And there's a shift happening in Venezuela, too, where a lot of people who are part of the Guaido government have been sort of trying to work within the, the current system, the economic wise, Venezuela has improved. And so what we are seeing is that Guaido has, is becoming even more relevant. So it's absolutely ridiculous to to invite him as if he's anybody. But also just the, the symbolism of, you know, after after Latin America spent decades and decades fighting for freedom from the the Spanish monarchy, they sort of ha had very little of it. Eventually, of course, the United States came in and began intervening and, and, and pushing regime change. And now the United States excludes three very important countries that have been the resistance of yeah. of the, this this uh, imperialist, you know, uh, a Yankee imperialist boot. And so then, then they they invite, of course, the Spanish crown as if the that conquistadors. Is the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They invite the conquistadors from five hundred years ago. Exactly, and that's about as insulting insulting as it can get, regardless of what a nation's um, political alliances are. That I mean, that it, it's almost unbelievable that a U.S. administration would do that, and it's just such a strong example of what's in my opinion, one of the many things wrong in Washington right now. But yeah, I mean, really, to think that you've invited the, the conquistadors, <laughs> the nation of the conquistadors from 500 years ago as part of the Americas, that's just astounding and insulting on a very great, you know, very high level. Yeah, on a very uh, like level of regardless of what people in, in South America feel when they are on politics, there's that element where I think in in those moments, they're, they're you know, like it was back then during the times of Simon Bolivar, it's like you're uniting against 
this power mm-hmm. that shouldn't have any any uh a power over you this it's just you know it's just inherently uh this need to be a free people this need to to be sovereign and yeah. and that i think is actually it backfired and i think you would agree with me this summit uh backfired for the biden administration yeah. in so many ways and obviously i think the american people the us citizens are starting to see who their government is ever so slowly you know as we say mm. from within but it, i think that more and more these these masks are unveiling each and every day and um in terms of you know what they're told is the enemy as as these immigrants and these latin americans coming in well well why are they coming in what happened what 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 was the policies that led to this and i the the democracy uh the people summit as a counter to the democracy summit i think did a really good job of introducing that to people who mm-hmm. are previously focused on domestic issues progressive issues electoral issues from within the country whereas um in you know when you do the the work that you spoke of the solidarity work the journalism when you travel you understand how our foreign policy is our domestic policy yeah yeah it's come home mm-hmm. it's formulated on the same you know you mentioned sovereignty and one of the while well, we're talking about this the people summit for democracy which was in Los Angeles 8 9 10 of June and the principal organizers were International People's Assembly Code Pink uh People's Forum and uh Party for Socialism and Liberation but many many more and I'll share with all of you the website for that summit so you can see all the workshops all the panels and all the co-sponsors about 2000 people attended um that that summit that alternate summit and it was it was a weaving of domestic social issues um social movements and um US foreign policy uh towards uh Latin America and the Caribbean and one of the workshops that was uh, i think it I don't know was it the closing workshop the struggle for sovereignty was the closing workshop the struggle for sovereignty was really kind of wrapped everything up that that's ultimately what this comes down to is respect for national sovereignty natural and natural resource sovereignty as well and those are themes that played out you and i were at a number of uh, presidential elections throughout the americas last year and the those are themes that played out in every country's electoral cycle people voted to preserve national sovereignty natural mm-hmm. resource sovereignty and they voted for governments that were offering a um, an economy for all of the people and that played out you know one step to the left of center to revolutionary left it's a spectrum you know mm-hmm. of of solutions you know some are just a milder form of capitalism but engaging everyone and some are some solutions are much much more uh revolutionary in in vision and and um implementation but it is about sovereignty and i really liked at the la summit the people summit for democracy how things it wasn't just latin america there was this weaving of themes of and one of some of the workshops uh focused on 
um, rent, how 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 to form tenant unions and lobby and protest, you know, for rent control and um, so people can stay in their homes at a reasonable uh, rate, things like that, themes and uh, and social movements and um, what else do I want to say? Like um, a lot of human rights issues as well mm -hmm. that overlap domestically as well as um, internationally. What was yeah. your favorite part of that? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I, I I really enjoyed that overlap as well because I think that's one of the faults of the progressives in the United States. I'm not going to say left. I will say progressives in the United States is that there is not enough attention paid to foreign policy, especially when it mm -hmm. comes to Latin America. And part of it, I think, is the language aspect that there there is just there's not enough of, of, of people with English um, English speakers with that knowledge out there that get enough of, of, of a pool. But that's by design. And, and that is that is just by by lack of our education here in the United States, where you're not really paid, you're not told to pay attention to the rest of the world while the rest of the world has to pay attention to you um, yeah. either because of the of education or because they're living the consequences of that and so it was really great seeing the um the weaving in of so many issues including when we had um uh julian assange's family come in mm -hmm. earlier and talk about the fact that he is a journalist that is being uh you know persecuted by the the state department for exposing war crimes now these war crimes of course are committed in large number by the west and um by the united states and these are pushed in on other countries right and the in west asia in the global south and so when you look at things that way uh, you start seeing the connections between the foreign policy and being able to inform people about said foreign policy and said war crimes. And then the money aspect, right? The money that goes yeah. into these wars. People did mention how the billions of dollars the United States is giving to Ukraine. When have they done anything for uh, Latin America besides, of course, extract resources, right? That, that's one of the themes in Latin America right now. It's we have a very uh, Latin Americans say they have a very re resource rich nations, which they do. But the, the riches, the, the wealth does not stay within these nations. It, it, it goes out. And so that is a very common theme that has been a part of of Latin America for forever. And um, I think that that is also a way where people can see it. They talked about climate change and um, the Amazon and, and, and how all of that is contributing to how all of not just war, but the, the exploitation by these uh, nations in the West is contributing to that. So that interweaving, I think, was, is very, very good to have because it never really happens in a place where you have this uh, these two things coming together. And I told you as much when we were at the summit, I've had, you know, I've lived in LA for years. I've, I spent time with the activist community in LA with the, the Bernie people in LA and all of that, the progressive movements in LA, but I've also spent time abroad with all of you who do the solidarity work. And it was like my two worlds coming together and it was just <laughs> the weirdest thing. And, but it was good. It, it was needed. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I, I love that intersection. You um, you mentioned all the money the U.S. is sending to Ukraine. The president of Mexico said in response to that during the week of the summit that one drop 
of that money could help solve many of uh, the immigration issues in Mexico and Central America, and particularly on the Mexico uh, United States border. And so again, the money's there for, I think he was implying the money's there for Western Europe right. and not there for our Spanish speaking brothers and sisters to the South. And I think it was, um, it was an, it was a very clever way to, to uh, point all of that out. And it's true. It wouldn't take that much money to solve some of the problems on the border. I should also say all that money going to Ukraine, all that money that our tax, our tax dollars going to the Pentagon, if, if those of you in the audience are not familiar with it, a lot of what Fiorella and I are talking about can, um, is um, housed under Code Pink's Cut the Pentagon campaign. All of those social issues and public infrastructure and education and all of that that could, could be possible in the United States if the military budget wasn't so large. Yeah. So let's talk about the um, about the the summit in Tijuana because that took a little different approach. It, this was the Worker Summit of the Americas, and it was principally organized by the Plataforma. Uh, well, let me say it in English for all of you: the Platform for the Class of Workers, Working Class anti-imperialist working class. So PACOA is the Spanish, P-C-O-A, was principally organized by them with help of um, Partido Morena. And, um, and most of the um, sponsoring organizations were our workers, consortiums, unions, teachers, electricians. And it was a really... Um, it was a whole nother segment of society, but specifically mm -hmm. it was organized for those people who were denied entry to the United States and or uh, were not able to obtain visas to go to the summit in Los Angeles. So that purpose is really, really important to understand how many people were not able to come, not just you know, heads of state, that were not invited by the president of the United States, but average working people as well. Mm -hmm. And so this was held in Tijuana, a walk, well, a bus ride, a short bus ride from the border, mm -hmm. from the wall, which was the concluding event. We had a big um, action at the wall in San Isidro, Tijuana. It was, um, this was a class of people who are workers, who are, um, as you and I would identify with as leftist versus progressives. And I think at some point we should probably do a whole episode <laughs> on, on how this is, because for those of us who spend a lot of time working outside of the United States, progressive and leftist are not the same. They are two different uh, points on the revolutionary spectrum. And so they should not, and, but yeah, they're in the States, we seem to use them interchangeably and they are not interchangeable, you know, particularly working in the global South. And so I would say what we saw in Tijuana was the left, a very organized leftist movement and, uh, and a reassertion of labor. And it, it was very authentic and it was 
um, very moving and some really great energy with those people and some great ideas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was extremely, um, you know, from the perspective of the U S it would be considered radical, um, yeah. because, because <laughs> yeah, of that, sure. uh, the nature of, of their politics, but also the, the very blatant call that, you know, I just, I did for the first time hear that at the people's summit here, heard the word sanctions, which I hadn't heard before, you know, in any sort of March, uh, you know, and the sanctions end of that, but you heard more of that in, at, at the Tijuana, uh, uh, you know, border wall, uh, action that they had on that Sunday where it was, just, you know, end the blockade, stop the sanctions. And it was uh, just a sort of very much uh, radical call to uh, talk about U.S. imperialism and the, the what they've done and what needs to happen. And here are the solutions. Here's what we want. Here's what needs to happen. And um, it, it was it was working people who have worked in agriculture, who mm-hmm. have worked in in different fields. It was workers. It wasn't. Um, it was less of the celebrity, uh, and we've talked about this too, the celebrity yeah. type of activism. And, you know, uh, some people know what I what I mean, especially in LA, but it, there's, I mean, you know, it helps to have name recognition and all of that. But we're talking about people who are, who we met in Nicaragua, like a Fausto from uh, ATC. We're Fausto talking about- Torres, our good this, friend Fausto Torres. Yes. And who do uh, this sort of work where they're they're talking about food sovereignty? They're talking about these things uh, that deal with with uh, the hands and and just just working in the like in a very different avenue than what we saw in LA. And I think it's necessary to have both because mm-hmm. then you get to see the entire spectrum of what is required. And they're not always going to coincide and like each other. Um, but it, it's very, I think it's important for us to have seen both and to have talked about both and to have been there and, you know, given out videos and talked about what was said and, and had media there to basically cover it and and cover, um, you know, Alex Saab and how people have been, uh, talking about him. And they even mentioned, you know, political prisoners like Mouya and Julian Assange as well. So it is, it's kind of, it came full circle at that point where you saw everybody. Yeah, it was, uh, um, the energy was really exciting and um, and some really great ideas. And I will share with the audience the um, website for the Worker Summit of the Americas as well, so that you can um, see the final declaration um, and the workshops. This, the, the summit in Tijuana was very, very overtly in support, in solidarity with Cuba, Nicaragua, Venezuela, and Mexico, and Mexico for uh, its voice right now in the right. hemisphere and its leadership. Um, it, and that was, um, I think that was so important because those are the three countries that are suffering the strongest economic warfare, Cuba for the longest amount of time, but very, very strong economic warfare and exclusion on many levels, not just being excluded from the invitation list to Biden's summit. Uh, and I, that was very, I thought it was really, really important to really focus on those three that were from the very start not going to be included in the ninth summit of the Americas in Los Angeles. And I, um, and I also appreciated how many of the workers came from unions in Mexico 
mm-hmm. and the emphasis on their president's leadership in the hemisphere right now. It was yeah. a very, uh, was really powerful. So, and I have to say the, the Venezuelans that I got to meet there were amazing uh, people that have gone through so much uh, in recent years. And they just uh, seeing their their fight in spite of that adversity really was really moving. And it was amazing to get to know them. And I am so excited to meet m- many more of them uh, in the months to come. And I, you know, I know you talked about the Venezuelans, how much you love them, but I, I'm just, <laughs> I, yeah. it was so awesome. That was the best part of that, yeah. that trip is, is getting to meet some of them, uh, just a really wonderful people that know their history that have been facing so much, uh, just yeah. un- so much injustice coming from the, the West and, and are still dealing with it. And, uh, it, it was amazing seeing those particular three nations named Nicaragua, Cuba, Venezuela, the nations that I consider uh, revolutionary ones uh, that I consider yeah. the, the resistance to Western hegemony. And I uh, have nothing but respect and, and admiration for. They're still all such beautiful people. They still have their humanity in such a beautiful yeah. manner. And I, you mentioned the Venezuelans. I, I would be remiss not to give a shout out to my Code Paint co-workers, Michelle Elner and Leonardo Flores, who are Venezuelan. <laughs> and it's a, been an honor to work with them and get to know them better and celebrate you know, their country. And yeah, it's, but all three countries, the Cubans, the, the Nicaraguans and the Venezuelans, very, uh, it's a real testament to them that um, I say they're beautiful people, they're beautiful inside and out, and that they still have that humanity. Yes, they have that revolutionary spirit to, to fight and push back against the United States. And that, that pushback began with Simon Bolivar, or, or having it so clearly articulated as a policy. Um, but I, I really, um, it's really quite something to be around people who are still yeah, really so friendly. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, when there's so much not to be friendly about, especially to those of us from the United States. So, yeah. so what else should we talk about? I promised you I would keep this episode to a, to a, a, a tight 30 minutes because well, you've got big news that you're going to be announcing soon. And um, or do you want to announce that now or no? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think most people know at this point, you know, I'm going to Russia. I'm literally getting on a plane like early tomorrow <laughs> to go, uh, make my track over there. It's a couple flights. Uh, so I will be in Moscow for, for a little bit. I mean, I'll be traveling. I'll be able to come out of the country and, and travel and do the things I need to do, but I am going to be doing work for RT there as well as continue the work that I do independently with Craig uh, Pasta Jardula, as you guys know him. Um, but uh, yeah. And, and, and they're with the condo with the couch. Yes. Condo with the convo couch. Yeah. Yeah, that's- and um, yeah. And then as well as just continue doing the election work right now, we have very important elections coming up in um, uh, the second round in Colombia. Uh, very, very important election then in uh, Brazil, so it, it, there's a lot happening in Latin America, Terry. I, I'm extremely <laughs> excited for Latin America yeah. and the connections yeah. between uh, Latin America and the East as well yeah. happening. So I honestly like I, this is the the time to be in both the the, the global South and and the East. So 
You are very, very fortunate and you're going to be doing a fantastic job. We have no doubt. <laughs> you have a lot of fans and we're all rooting for you and we're waiting for your first broadcast from Moscow. Thank you. <laughs> I look forward to it. So I'll let, um, I'll let you go so you can finish packing and get all your your things together and we'll look for, I hope we can talk to you from Moscow. Of course. Uh, yes. Really, really great. And I, and I so agree with you, the connections between the global South, which includes Africa, Latin yes. America, Asia, and Eurasia, including, you know, Northern China and, and Russia and this whole emergence of a new paradigm. It's scary, the violence associated with it, but it's also really, really uh, encouraging. The possibilities are enormous and very, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a fascinating project that's emerging. So it's, it's, it's a wonderful time in spite of everything happening and especially Africa too, that rarely, you know, the, yeah. the pan-Africanism uh, um, panel, I thought that was great. Uh, it does not get talked about enough anywhere. And the pushback that is happening, the unity within these nations in, in the continent of Africa is really another thing that is just adding to this whole thing and then the you know the unity between africa and latin america through the the culture of af uh, latin afro culture too is a whole mm -hmm. other thing and i and that is just um amazing to watch amazing to see the solidarity and it's it, nations that have been of course crushed by the uh western imperialism and finally getting uh, their chance to have voices and to be heard by more of the Western world. So very happy to see that happening. Yes, me too. I should just say that you mentioned the Pan-Africanism. There was a, a, a full four-person panel discussion on, with that theme at the People Summit in Los Angeles with the closing segment by um, James Early, who brilliantly weaved the African continent to the hemisphere of the Americas and vice versa. And uh, you can find that um, I think all of those, um, all of those panels and workshops were recorded uh, by Breakthrough News out of um, New York in association with the, the People's Forum. And you can find all of the recordings at the Breakthrough News YouTube channel. But that was a really, um, that was a really fascinating um, talk as well. So, okay, Fiorella, we've seen two fabulous uh, summits, counter summits, and we're able to also protest uh, Biden's summit. So we've had a really busy week and, uh, and a very fruitful week of activism. And I'm very happy to have spent it with you. <laughs> and Same, Terry. It was wonderful to spend some time with you and some of our comrades and really, uh, yeah, take it all in. And now it's time to digest everything. I think I need like a week to digest all this information oh, for sure. and put it out there. I have this like desire to like write about everything that's been happening in the last few months. Cause I haven't stopped, uh, since our delegate, it feels like I haven't stopped since like last year. Um, and so now I'm just like, wow, all of this is happening so fast. So, uh, very glad to have you a part of it. And, um, yeah, let's, let's continue to continue to do the things we need to do. Okay, great. I want to remind our audience, you've been watching what the F is going on in Latin America and the Caribbean code pinks weekly YouTube program. We broadcast generally every Wednesday, 4 30 PM Pacific, 7 30 PM Eastern. Today's been a special broadcast, uh, due to Fiorella's time constraints. And we're so thankful that she fit us in today. 
Um, you can also find us on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Telegram, and now at radindymedia.com. You can also uh, find Code Pink Radio on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and you can listen to Code Pink Radio live every Thursday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern on WBAI New York City, WPFW Washington, D.C., so everyone, we will uh, we'll see you next week, and we look forward to um, talking with Fiorella from Moscow and and deepening those links, those Eurasians, Global South, Latin America links. So, thank you, everyone. We'll see you next week.